Welcome to the most enchanted podcast in all the realms. I'm Lynn. I'm Elisa. And I'm Chell. Together, we are the, the Narrators, Narrators 3. Three. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where all plot devices come with a price. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 3, Episode 2, Lost Girl. The air date for this episode was October 6, 2013. The writers were Andrew Chambliss and Kalinda Vasquez. <laughs> Andrew Chambliss now has a babysitter. <laughs> I mean, he needs one. Yeah. <laughs> the director for this episode was Ron Underwood, and the title card features The Sword of the Stone. We begin in Neverland, where Mr. Gold uses a fireball to start a fire. A little extra, but I can't say I wouldn't do the same if I had that power at my disposal. That fire did not need to be so big. He's going to burn down this whole jungle. <laughs> Smokey, Smokey the bear just pops out of the, of the jungle and just like, only you can prevent forest fires. And then Mr. Gold a just sucker like- punches him. Yeah, exactly. Lights him on fire. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm saying Smokey, Smokey no. the bear sucker punches Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> oh, My okay. money's on the bear. <laughs> well, right. And then I was going to say- Always then, like, bet on the bear. <laughs> then like Smokey just like goes, like all grizzly bear and Rumpel like is like, oh, God. <laughs> he's like zoinks zoinks <laughs> just scooby-doo-esque chase scene ensues mm -hmm. <laughs> would not be plays. surprised at all yakety sax plays in the distance softly <laughs> i i would not be surprised at all if smoking the bear guest starred on scooby-doo i feel like so it must crossovers. have happened i mean they had like batman yeah they had like a batman cross like the adam west batman crossover mm -hmm. it Multiple, like like hollywood stars yeah exactly. it would be no more far-fetched don like, knots <laughs> yeah i feel like at that point it's no more far-fetched to be like and in this episode scooby-doo meets Smokey the bear because why why the fuck not on <laughs> i mean in the recent past they straight up did a scooby supernatural crossover oh my god True. that's Right, yes, that's the that's Winchesters. Right. <laughs> that's Scoo true. Scooby, Scooby and Shaggy everyone. learn the importance of fire safety <laughs> <laughs> as they're blazing up in the jungle. <laughs> they learn where it is okay to light up and where it is not. How to properly dispose of the roach. <laughs> yeah, so you don't cause a forest fire. It's important. Oh man, we have veered a hard left and it's already early days. Okay. What's, what's skin doing? Okay. <laughs> So he freezes his shadow against a large rock. Using his dagger, he detaches his shadow by cutting it away from his feet. He gives the dagger to his shadow, instructing it to hide the knife where not even Gold himself can find it. Cool, man. <laughs> Elsewhere on the island, Emma, Captain Hook, David, Mary Margaret, and Regina trek through the jungle, heading towards a ridge to gain a better view. Regina suggests that she could have just magically transported the group to the top of the ridge. I love Regina's line here. I could have just poofed us up there. Yeah. Like poofed. I loved it. Poofed. Hook responds by reminding her that there are dangers she doesn't know about in Neverland and only he can guide the group. Emma agrees. Mary Margaret gives Emma a flagon to drink from, urging her to stay hydrated. Aww. Well, her mom brought snacks and drinks in her backpack. That's very wholesome. I remember an interview with Jennifer that happened while the season was airing. Where she says something like, Mary Margaret has a sweater in her backpack. If Emma gets cold. Aww. It was really cute. That I think it was so even like, a, I think she even said like, has a jukes box and a cardigan <laughs> for her if she gets cold. Oh, so cute. I don't remember the exact verbiage, but it was a very wholesome interview. Adorable. When Emma thinks her by name, Mary Margaret gently suggests that perhaps Emma could call her mom. Emma falters and Mary Margaret lets it slide. 
Using a sword to clear a path, David takes aim at a nasty cluster of thorns. Hook stops him, explaining that the thorns carry a poison called Dreamshade. He further explains that Dreamshade was the source of the poison he used on Mr. Gold in a concentrated form, and that in its natural form, death by Dreamshade is very painful and very slow. Hook then suggests the party take a slightly different direction, and David suggests the other way. The group follows David. Following behind the group, Hook pulls aside to tell Emma that her father is distrustful. Emma responds that he's just not used to working with, quote, the bad guys. Hook assures her that on Neverland, he is not the bad guy. When Emma responds that, according to the story she heard as a child, Peter Pan is not a villain either, Hook responds that Pan is the most treacherous villain he's ever faced. Feeling flirty, Hook asks Emma what he was like in these stories. Deadpan as ever, Emma replies, a wax mustache and a perm. I mean, a lot of times it's a big curly wig if that makes you feel any better. I mean, (laughs) I think at all times almost it's like a big curly wig because, yeah. (laughs) And Hook, they make an absolute show of making sure you know that since like you see him just take off his big curly hair Mm -hmm. and put Mm -hmm. it on a wig head. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Man, I, I love Killian in this scene. Overall, Hook is very charming and fun this this whole episode. Chambliss can finally write a proper Hook. It's or very Glinda. exciting. <laughs> Thanks, it's Glinda. True. Thanks, Glinda. Let's <laughs> say let's not give too much credit. He's being babysat. Yeah. <laughs> David calls the pair from the top of the ridge. The group looks out over the overgrown dark jungle. Hook, unable to easily spot Pan's lair as he anticipated, explains that the jungle has grown since he left the island. David remarks that they're in a good position to comb the jungle, but Hook disagrees, telling the group that the dark jungle is treacherous and they should go around it. He further suggests that they make camp for the night. Regina objects initially, but eventually caves in and follows suit. Emma lingers, looking forlorn at the thought that it may be too late for Henry, but Mary Margaret comforts her, reassuring her daughter that it's never too late. We then cut to the former enchanted forest of the past where Prince Charming wakes Snow White from the sleeping curse. I'm never mad at seeing the glass coffin scene again. The real, actual falling snow just makes it so over-the-top romantic. Oh, it's gorgeous. Meanwhile, at the Evil Queen's palace, the guard Claude rushes through the palace carrying the magic mirror. Hey, it's Claude! Claude's back! Hey! (laughs) Claude carries the mirror out to the garden, where the Evil Queen is tending to her orchard, The mirror shows the queen images of Prince Charming proposing to Snow White. The queen is understandably, though never justifiably, enraged. (laughs) As the genie in the mirror taunts her, he reveals Snow and Charming's intent to take back their kingdom. Regina snarls as she hisses back, We'll see about that. In this scene, Regina looks amazing, and her lashes are superb. Like, they are so long and gorgeous. I also like her hair a lot. She's so, like, she's just beautiful. Yeah, Lana is too pretty. It's a real good look for her, honestly. Too pretty. Also, is this our first time seeing Sydney slash the Magic Mirror since season one? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think he might have been in We Are Both or like the first episode of season two, but... But then that was it. I think yeah. so. Yeah. I Like, if, if, if any episode... I mean, he's so good. He's... He's he is so busy right now during this time period. 
Um, oh, is he? What was he doing? I think this is Revolution. I think this oh, yeah. is when he was lead antagonist on Revolution. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Which I really enjoyed. I enjoyed yeah. that show. That I was good. Revolution. Yeah. Who's so good in it? Elsewhere in the Enchanted Forest, Snow White, Prince Charming, and the dwarves attempt to rally a group of commoners. Snow White gives a harrowing account of the evil queen's tyranny, claiming the kingdom belongs not to the queen, but to the people. She asks those assembled who will fight with her, but tragically no one responds. Crickets. Fucking crickets everywhere. But no Archie, sadly. (laughs) No. Instead, the evil queen appears, poking fun at the frightened townspeople. The commoners run off to hide as Snow White remarks that the townspeople may be afraid of Regina, but she and her comrades are not. I'm glad Regina's weirdo bassoon music is back. Bum, 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 bum. So I now notice it. For the first time, this episode has brought that damn bassoon thing front and center in my head. Like, I have managed to not really notice it. Really? (laughs) No. And then it, like, happens, like, four fucking times in this episode. (laughs) It's so goddamn much in this episode. They're just like, the bassoon. It's a lot. It's a lot lot in (laughs) this episode in particular. And I'm like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) and it didn't happen in the orchard when we first see her right of course not like where she's like you know her hair is down you know she's just being it's when it's full evil queen mode it's only Mm -hmm. full evil full-on evil she's like get my hair piece and my feathers and my bejeweled (laughs) yeah it's like they're like here's how you know she wants to do a violence the bassoon is happening yeah (laughs) i i love it it's iconic it's ridiculous and wonderful it's really something So Regina makes a snide remark regarding Charming's former identity as a shepherd, and both Charming and Snow White draw their swords on the queen. Regina responds by magically binding Charming with rope. Regina offers Snow White a deal. If the princess will declare Regina the rightful ruler of the kingdom, the queen will allow her, Charming, and the dwarves to live peacefully on Charming's former farm. Snow White equates the deal to exile. Regina rationalizes that because she has been unable to kill or curse her stepdaughter, Her new focus is for Snow to live with the knowledge that Regina possesses everything that should have been hers. Charming reacts to this statement, fighting against his bonds. Regina tells Snow White to get down on her knees and swear on her father's grave that the kingdom belongs to her. When Snow White asks what will happen if she doesn't, the queen responds by saying, then someone will pay the price. She uses her magic to lift up one of the villagers, choking her in midair. Snow White, sword in hand, charges very comically at the queen, who disappears in a cloud of smoke at the last moment, dropping the village girl. Charming breaks out of his binds before running to the aid of the villager. Regina reappears, telling Snow White that she has until sundown tomorrow to give up the throne, and that for every day Snow White defies her, she will kill one of Snow White's loyal subjects. Regina further taunts the princess by claiming that she will never be a queen. Regina, you're really bad at sales pitches. She wouldn't never make like a really good like car saleswoman. No. <laughs> She's like, you can take this hunk of crap or you can take that hunk of crap. <laughs> They're all shit. Which one do you want? <laughs> yeah. You can get that shit in blue or you can get that hunk of junk over in silver. Maybe it won't blow up on you. I don't know. I don't, I don't care. Radiator can go any second. It's not my problem. Stop wasting my time. <laughs> give me your money little bitch <laughs> <laughs> although she would make an excellent convention booth babe i have to say because aggression was always my tactic well yeah because then they will just weep and buy your comics exactly 
In present-day Neverland, the sound of crying children wakes Emma from her slumber, as hopefully it would wake anyone. But it doesn't. <laughs> Drawing her sword, Emma tries and fails to rouse Mary Margaret and David before trekking into the jungle alone, following the sound. Snow and Charming are sleeping so cuddly, and it's very sweet. I love them. It was such a cute image. It was. It's like, I bet that's just them. No, It's just cute. them being like, oh, cuddle times. Peter Pan appears behind Emma, musing that she can hear the crying, but wonders why they can't hear the crying, meaning her companions. When he gives his name to Emma, she pins him against a tree, sword at his throat. She demands to know where Henry is, and Pan assures her that the boy is still alive. When Emma demands to know what Pan wants with Henry, Pan dodges the question by remarking that he came to see who he was up against, and that he is not disappointed. I adore this weird serial killer teen. He's a good time. He's such a good time. So fantastic and evil. I fucking love him. This is the best Pan. Like one of, one of the best pans ever. So great. So great. Love this little fucker. <laughs> Pan gives the skeptical Emma a map he claims will lead her to Henry. When Emma asks why, Pan explains that it is not about Emma finding Henry, but how she finds Henry. He further claims that Emma is the only one who can find him. Taking the parchment from the boy, Emma opens it to reveal a blank piece of parchment. Pan informs her that the only way to read the map is for Emma to stop denying who she is. Peter Pan then disappears. Back with the group, Emma stares at the map. Mary Margaret and David return, reporting that Pan is nowhere to be found, and Regina insists that the map is likely a trap meant to distract them from searching for Henry. Regina suggests using her magic to unlock the map, but Emma refuses. The others agree, even David agrees with the pirate, which prompts Hook to just, I'm winning you over, I can feel it. <laughs> Mary Margaret offers words of encouragement, reminding Emma that Peter Pan is playing a game. Therefore, she can win. These five play so well off each other. Like, that damn dialogue really flows in this scene. I just love the reluctant teamwork we see from these five in the Neverland arc. It's a delight to watch. Yeah, agreed. In the former Enchanted Forest, Snow White, Prince Charming, and the dwarves discuss their options. Snow White advocates for taking the Evil Queen's deal, and Charming argues for standing their ground. He rationalizes that Snow White needs to protect her people from the Queen. Snow White counters that she was unable to even protect the peasant girl, and that Regina would eventually go after the people closest to her. The dwarves swear to stand by Snow White, no matter what. Charming continues to try to convince Snow, but she simply responds that she is no queen. She doesn't even know who, quote, Snow White truly is and she does not want to be alone. That sweet little doe walking in the background during this scene was totally unplanned, and the deer was completely unfazed by their presence. That's so cute. That's yeah. really cute. He's just like, oh, hey, look at this. I'm in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> yeah, it's my 15 minutes. <laughs> when Charming assures her that that will never happen, Snow White announces her intent to take the queen's offer, saying they should leave the next day. She then separates from the group. Charming calls after her, but Grumpy objects, questioning Charming's motives in attempting to change Snow White's mind. He asks Charming what the kingdom matters when he has true love. Realizing the implications, Charming insists that he has Snow White's best interests at heart. He asks if the dwarves are with him or against him. Grumpy responds by telling him that if he wants to change Snow White's mind, Charming will have to do so without their help. 
The dwarves leave him, and Charming resolves to find another way. I love that Snow's boys are just like, don't mess with our girl, we'll fuck you up. Like, I love Charming, but the dwarves being loyal as hell is freaking heartwarming. Yeah, it was so cute. They were like, Snow has been through enough. Just watch yourself, mister. We're on to you, pal. Also, also like, totally hinting that, like, he's a gold digger. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's a gold digging himbo. <laughs> it's just like, if you're using her, we will murder you. I got a pickaxe and I'm not afraid to use it. He's really not. In the dark castle, Rumpelstiltskin spins at his spinning wheel when Prince Charming arrives, seeking his aid. He reminds Rumpelstiltskin that he once aided Charming in helping Snow White remember who she was when a spell blinded her. He requests Rumpelstiltskin's aid once more. We return to Neverland as Mr. Gold gazes at the doll given to him by Felix when a rustling is heard in the jungle. He stands, putting down the doll, demanding to know who has disturbed him, and a cloaked figure grabs the doll and flees. Gold chases the culprit, catching them and removing their hood. To his great surprise, it is Belle. What a Shyamalan twist. <laughs> it was Belle all along. <laughs> Cue the theme song. Mm. It was Belle all along. Bum, bum. Shocked, Mr. Gold asks Belle how she got to Neverland. She responds by commenting on his attire, claiming she thought it was in the past. Gold responds by saying that becoming the Dark One again is the only way he will save his grandson. Belle caresses his face, saying that he has not completely reverted and that there is still hope. The couple lean in to kiss, but Gold breaks it off suddenly, realizing that Belle is not truly in Neverland. She confirms this, telling Gold that she is still in Storybrooke and that the protection spell worked and everyone in town is safe. Gold violently grabs the quote-unquote Belle by the neck, suggesting that perhaps Belle has been conjured by Pan to lead him astray. Calmly, Belle responds that Pan didn't conjure her. Gold did. Shocked, Mr. Gold lets her go, and Belle wonders again why he has conjured her. In the former Enchanted Forest, Rumpelstiltskin informs Prince Charming that he cannot help him. Charming implores the Dark One for something that will help Snow White realize she can beat Regina. Rumpelstiltskin informs him that magic cannot help him as belief must come from within. He suggests that Charming take the Queen's offer and take a lesson from his dead brother. Unperturbed, Charming reasons that Rumpelstiltskin must have something, he always does, and tells the wizard to name his price. I have to say that Rumpelstiltskin in this scene is in fine form, and I'm living for all of the weird little voices and the baby goat giggles. (laughs) God. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Meanwhile, back at the camp, Snow White practices her archery as Charming returns, telling her to save those arrows for the queen. Can someone please get this poor woman some no more tangles or some no more tears detangler and a brush? It'd be really cute to have a scene with Charming, like, brushing her hair. That would be quite sweet, honestly. Mm. So sweet. Snow White retorts that her mind is made up and they are leaving to take Regina's deal. Charming responds by saying that she won't want to leave when she hears what Rumpelstiltskin had to say. Prince Charming tells her that there is a weapon that can defeat the evil queen, and it's only half a day's ride away. Back with the group in Neverland, Emma lists facts about her life and who she is, trying to unlock Peter Pan's map. The map does not appear even when Emma admits that she is the savior. Frustrated, Regina grabs the map from Emma and places a locator spell on it, which floats in the air and starts to lead them to Pan. Hook remarks that they will be venturing into the dark jungle after all. Emma is so done. Mm-hmm. So done. 
like it, it just pans to her face and she's just like mm, well, i guess we're gonna fucking do this now i <laughs> god fucking damn it meanwhile mr gold and bell are walking toward a cliff when bell asks gold if he knows why he brought her to the island reluctantly gold admits he's a coward like his father but that bell has always seen the good in him he also says that pan offered to let him live if he let pan keep henry Bell replies that if he doesn't want to make the same mistakes his father made and give up on Henry like he did at Bellfire, then he must let go of the past. She gives him the doll and leaves. Gold drops the doll from the cliff into the sea. In the dark jungle, Pan's map stops midair, and Regina concludes that Pan must be near. They prepare for a fight, and Hook warns Emma that Peter Pan may look like a boy, but he's a bloody demon. Mary Margaret steps forward and assures Emma that they can do this. Thanks, Mom. In this scene, I absolutely loved Hook's line, I told you we were getting along, to Charming. Colin's delivery was perfect. Those two have a very fun dynamic, and I'm glad we're going to get more of it. Hell yeah. They're delightful together. They're so much fun. Mm -hmm. In the Enchanted Forest of the Past, Prince Charming and Snow White near the weapon Rumpelstiltskin told Charming about. Snow remarks that this is the first time that they've been alone since he proposed. <laughs> and he quips that it's hard to have privacy when she has seven protective big brothers watching over her, which is absolutely fucking adorable and true. <laughs> Amused, Snow realizes the dwarves have been giving Charming a hard time. Apart from accusing me of being a gold-digging social-climbing shepherd? Nah. Snow tells him she has faith that he will charm them as he did her. Snow and Charming are very cute in this scene, sassing at each other, adventuring, and holding hands. I've missed these snowing enchanted forest scenes. I just want to go on the record that the one time I did the brrrr for snowing, noticed that my two co-hosts did not say beep beep chill or too horny. No, it's only for my ships that I get that done. No, but for yeah. their ship, but for their ship, it's... Completely appropriately ex- horny. Completely appropriately horny. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you understand how it is. Oh, yeah. shit. It's the breakdown. That's the, them's the breaks. Them's the breaks. You guys suck. <laughs> I'm packing up my toys and going home. <laughs> I'm telling mom, you guys are mean. Oh, you're mean. You're not sharing. You're not sharing the horniness. <laughs> Bogarding. <laughs> Bogarding the horny. <laughs> oh, that's going to be on the next uh, bingo card. <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Charming tells Snow that, according to Rumpelstiltskin, the weapon was created by Merlin of Camelot, and as they crest the hill, it is revealed to be Excalibur, wedged in a stone. Charming tries to pull it out. <laughs> Sorry. 
But <laughs> no, no. Okay, maybe that gets a bonk. That bonk. gets a bonk, 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 horny jail. <laughs> but he's unable to. And asks, <laughs> and asks Snow to try, saying that only the kingdom's true ruler can free the blade. Doubtful, Snow tries and the blade comes free. Charming assures her that she is the kingdom's true leader. Back in Neverland, David leads the group to what appears to be an abandoned camp. Emma halts them, thinking she sees Henry. It turns out to be Pan dressed in Henry's clothes. Pan chides Emma for breaking the rules and tells her that cheaters never win. Which makes me think of that Simpsons episode where, like, I don't know, Bart's, like, playing this game and he loses... And then a cartoon of like Ronald Reagan comes over and like kicks the wrestler or whatever, like the fighter and goes, cheaters never prosper. <laughs> <laughs> so if you know what I'm talking about, great. Then you are my age, you are my old, and we will get along fine. <laughs> Immediately, they are surrounded by the Lost Boys, armed with bows and torches. Bless this little psycho. Bless his evil face. <laughs> A skirmish ensues, and Hook warns them that the Lost Boy's arrows are laced with dream shade. David is grazed by an arrow aimed for Mary Margaret. Hook and Felix grapple with each other while Emma pins a Lost Boy down and demands to know where Henry is. Looking into his face, Emma abruptly lets the boy go. Pan reminds Emma that the map will show her where Henry is when she stops denying who she is. Then Pan and the Lost Boys retreat into the jungle. I do enjoy that in this scene, Charming goes like into defending and deflecting mode and Snow is just like, lol, guess I'm riddling some children with arrows tonight. <laughs> in the enchanted forest of the past, villagers hide as the evil queen's carriage approaches. Bum, 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 bum. Oh no, Regina, your fucking outfit is so bad. No, I love it. I, when we were watching it, I just quietly went, oh no, when she got out of the carriage. <laughs> I, we're going to talk about it. Oh, we are. Yeah. Regina Alpha face off. Yep. <laughs> it's going to be Regina Alpha kick fight. It's going to ensue. <laughs> Snow Charming and the dwarves stand to meet her, and Snow tells the queen that she will not abandon the people in the kingdom to her. In response, Regina uses her magic to lift Grumpy and choke him. Snow charges the queen and cuts her right cheek. Shocked, the queen releases Grumpy and touches her face, staring at the blood on her fingers. Regina has the whole dodgeball, no one makes me bleed my own blood thing going. Yeah. I, I wrote that same note. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. <laughs> it's all I could think. <laughs> As the villagers and dwarves gather around her, Snow confidently asserts that this is her kingdom and she will fight for it. The queen replies that she will see her on the battlefield and vanishes. Back in Neverland, David resists Mary Margaret's attempt to treat his wound, insisting that they have more important problems. They walk over to Emma, who is staring blankly at the map. Angrily, Emma tells Mary Margaret that if she were the savior, the map should have been unlocked. Mary Margaret replies that maybe Emma isn't who she thinks she is and asks her why she let the lost boy go. After some prodding, Emma reveals that she saw herself in the boy's face. As a foster child, she felt unwanted and useless and could never understand why her parents gave her up. She admits that on this island, she doesn't feel like a hero or a savior, but an orphan. At this confession, the map reveals itself. Emma apologizes to Mary Margaret, who replies that Emma was an orphan, and as her mother, it's her job to change that. Ugh, 
Such a magnetic scene. I'd like to take a moment and remind everyone that this is entirely August's fault. Thank you. <laughs> Takes my hat and sees myself out. <laughs> this scene was so good, though. Jennifer absolutely killed it. I've really missed these Mary Margaret and Emma heart-to-hearts that we got so many of in the first season. This was gentle and raw and just wonderfully acted. In the enchanted forest of the past, Snow calls loudly for Rumpelstiltskin, who appears behind her looking annoyed. Snow tells him that Charming made a deal with him for information about Excalibur, and she is willing to pay the price so Charming won't be in Rumpelstiltskin's debt. He replies that he gave him nothing, and that everyone knows Excalibur is in Camelot. Snow shows the sword to him, and Rumpelstiltskin disintegrates the blade, proving it is not Excalibur. Then he snatches Snow's mother's necklace as payment for wasting his time. Rumpelstiltskin is such a goddamn bitch in this scene, and Snow should have hit him with the palm of her sword. <laughs> yeah. It's such a fucking bitch move. Her mother's necklace, sir. I know. I just sat there going, you bitch. Oh, she can get it back in his pawn shop. That's fine. <laughs> but then he's going to make her pay for it. Uh, he oh, is oh not. My God. It's like um, it's not. like the uh, Good Morning Storybook where there's the Mr. Gold's Pawn yes. Shop commercial and he's all like, yes. you'll recognize the items. They're yours. I'll sell them yes. back to you. And you're like, ah, you piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> sell them back to you, you goddamn. Nah. He'll give it back to her. Especially if he knows what's good for him. But Does he ever know what's good for him? No. Um, he has proven time and time again he does not. <laughs> I just like, though, that he's just like, I'm busy. Stop bothering me. And I'm just like, I'm like, do you not have a will of your own? Like, d- just don't fucking show up. Like, just I be mean, like. She, and it wasn't even, she didn't even say his name three times. So it wasn't even that. Yeah. He just was like, Snow's calling. Oh my called. God, yeah. Snow's calling. Oh, I'm not right. interested in this thing you want. And now I'm going to go somewhere else. I thought you wanted to do something fun. I'm out. You you I thought you wanted to kill again. Regina again. Yeah. <laughs> he was just like, oh my God, is it the time? Is it time for murder? You don't want to do a murder. Oh, sucks. Kicks a rock. <laughs> At Snow and the Dwarves' campsite, the dwarves apologize to Charming for misjudging him, and they drink to a fresh start. Snow marches over and demands to know why Charming faked Excalibur. The prince explains that Snow needed to realize that she is able to defeat the queen on her own. Snow sees that he had faith in her all along, and they kiss. Uh, it's a little deceptive, and I don't agree, but I mean, you know, all right, whatever. I don't, I don't it's basically a more romantic version of Dumbo. It is. A, yes, it is. It is. You don't need the is. feather, Dumbo. You could fly all along. You could fly all along. This is true, and I do love Dumbo. He's just so. her little Timothy Mouse. <laughs> Back in Neverland, Emma shows the map to the rest of the group. Hook pinpoints their location and says Pan's camp is north of the dark jungle, warning them that the journey will be very dangerous. They agree that they need a new plan and must stop playing Pan's game. Regina, David, and Mary Margaret leave, and Hook congratulates Emma on beating Pan, asking her how she unlocked the map. Emma avoids answering his question as he hints that he would like to know who she really is. He is very cute and flirty in this scene. They're, they're but it, this, sir, this is neither the time nor the place. No, no, no. And plus, like her, her boy, whom you both love, has for as far as you guys know been dead for like fifteen minutes. So yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, we know that he's not dead, but they don't. Right, exactly. It was, it was like you know, not even yesterday that they were having like toast to bale fire. Yeah, 
exactly he's like oh like, but the emma swan's really pretty though he's like surely she's, so cool. she's over it by now she's so strong and cool she's had a good 24 hours <laughs> surely that's enough time for this to be fair game in another part of the jungle mr gold hears rustling around him and stops but cannot see anyone he looks up and watches the straw doll he threw in the sea fall to the ground in front of him warily he picks it up then drops it again and burns it with a fireball stepping on the ashes he walks away from it only to have it appear again a few steps away concerned he finally tucks the doll into his jacket and walks away it's not a traditional doll it's like a corn dolly kind of but if anyone has a doll phobia this scene is probably very unnerving this episode is just turning into the old something awful video doom house what is this strange figurine thought i told you to leave this murder house doom house i know what this is this is evidence i have no idea what you two are referencing (laughs) i'm sure many of our listeners don't know what the fuck i'm talking about either this is ancient internet (laughs) it is ancient internet this is travel with me back in time to a time when youtube did not exist and if you wanted to watch a video on the internet you had to download it and watch it on your own computer that's when this video is from and there was a god awful aptly named site called somethingawful.com and one of the things that was on it was a short movie i use the term liberally called doom house which was shot literally just on a home camcorder by two dudes and the whole thing is just like man moves into house there's a very weird ugly doll and it keeps showing up and he keeps throwing it out and it keeps returning and like it's purposefully bad acting oh god this sounds so vaguely familiar so there's lots of like scenes that they're like it's supposed to be riffing on dramatic horror where it's just like a weird angle of him holding the doll and being like what is this bizarre figurine <laughs> And like dramatically crying and like when the doll shows up being like, oh, why, why would you haunt me? <laughs> Leave this happy home. <laughs> like, I don't know at this point if I could recommend it to anyone because it's, you know, it's aged poorly. Sure. It was at a time in the internet where you're going bar, fine. The bar was low. The video was offensive because that's just how it is. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know that I can really beat like, I don't want to link it to people, so I'm just giving a very broad description of it. But in high school, I was definitely obsessed with this stupid video and quoted it all the time. And then when I moved to San Francisco, brought my weird knowledge of this stupid video to my hangouts with Elisa. It's true. My favorite thing was just, I know what this is. This is evidence. Sounds like an X-Files line, to be honest. (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to link it to the listeners because I no, will no, 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 no. only say that the last like few minutes of it goes in a completely different direction and is tone deaf. Yeah. But it's, oh yikes. It's a little yikes. The internet's always a strange place, but it was a very the early two thousands were very wild. That was the renaissance of the weirdest like the weird internet oh, videos. Yeah. You can put videos on the <laughs> internet and make strangers watch them this is a new novelty and like thus doom house was born and just there's things that will just stay with you forever like lines from it you know you haven't watched it in 15 years but you'll always remember it same with flash videos from that time uh i loved them meanwhile emma is picking berries berries and cream 
berries and cream. God I damn it. A lad that loves berries and cream. <laughs> Pan is a little lad that loves berries and cream. <laughs> Can you imagine him just doing the like the berries and cream dance? Like as she's, it would like, be so menacing if he did it. It'd be very menacing. <laughs> just be like oh god what is he planning <laughs> but every time she turns around he's like he's not even there then yeah. like she, she keeps picking berries and he just goes berries and cream just berries. hear it ominously in the distance throughout the forest <laughs> just the haunting just the haunting berries and cream the haunting that. tones of berries and cream echo throughout the jungle <laughs> emma's picking berries when pan appears behind her congratulating her on solving the map but also taunting her about being an orphan Emma is just like, don't think I'm afraid to kick a teenager's ass, you hobgoblin. (laughs) (laughs) Pan reveals that she hasn't forgiven her parents for abandoning her, just as Henry has not forgiven her, saying that when she finds him, he won't want to leave Neverland. Emma tells him that they'll see about that. But Pan says that when they're done, she won't only feel like an orphan, she will be one. David, separated from the group, takes off his jacket to reveal his torn shirt and an infected wound. Oh, charming buddy. End credits. All right, we now have confirmation that Shambliss does write much better episodes when paired with a different writing partner. You mean a babysitter? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Particularly a woman. Overall, I really enjoyed this episode. So far, for me, we are two for two with winners this season. So, heck yeah, season three. One of the things I really like about this episode is it has a different approach when it comes to the connection of the flashbacks and the present-day storyline. In most episodes, there's usually a very direct parallel. Either we're learning more about the central character of the episode, or maybe the same antagonist, or the same magical item is featured, or or a spell, the same spell in both. But in this episode, the connection is is more subtle. It's a theme of of self-awareness and having a reminder of who you actually are. Or, you know, for better or worse, who you were, because it's two women exploring that they don't really know who they are now at this point after going through so many changes. I also guess the second underlying link between the two is Charming lies to Snow. He does it in both storylines, not for malicious reasons, but he still lies. I overall like this episode, but for the most part, I'm pretty partial to the Neverland arc. Peter Pan is just such a delightful, weird little psycho that literally anytime he shows up, I feel like Nick Miller in the New Girl episode where he goes to the ice show and it's just like, Mussolini, we love you. Do something weird. <laughs> like anytime he's here, I just want to know what the weird little fucker is going to do next. I like this episode. And that's <laughs> literally all I wrote. I like this episode. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a really good one. It's I a mean, good one. you're not wrong. Yeah, I mean, you two illustrated why this episode is good. My work here is done. So, I, <laughs> oh my God, are you the tuxedo mask meme right now? <laughs> you didn't do anything. My job here is done. done. <laughs> you didn't do anything. Flips cape and leaves. <laughs> I mean, I only narrated the entire fucking episode. So. That's All true. Right. That's true. That's true. So, therefore, I threw a few roses and I gave y'all a pep talk. (laughs) (laughs) Tuxedo mask back. I said, I said, gambate. Gambate, Santa Moon. (laughs) You could have done it on your own all along. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But here I am to look pretty. Make your teen hormones rage. (laughs) I have nothing constructive to add because, again, you two did it for me. I like this episode. There's nothing more to say. 
Okay. Well, I guess we can talk about the costumes then. All right. All right. Now we're now the gloves are off. <laughs> Costume I, battle. So, okay. Regina. I loved her first. I think all three of us, we can say we love that first dress, the hair and the makeup that we see yeah. Regina yeah. in when she's oh, yeah. in her orchard. Oh, it's so great. But like the outfit change, it, it was just, the, it was like the too much syndrome from season one came back in full force. Like the poofy rock, 80s rocker hair, the feather collar. And like, I like the jeweled bust, but oh my God, the sleeves, the ruffles, the everything. And I get it. Like she's supposed to be intimidating and she is. So I totally visually understand like what they're going for and everything, but I'm just like, oh God, you know, like Jesus Christ. I actually loved Regina's red dress. It suffered a little from too much syndrome. I agree with that. But I think if they just didn't bedazzle the sleeves, it would have been a a perfect Evil Queen look for me. The 80s hair even worked for me this time. It was a little different, a little more polished. I liked it. It's my favorite Regina look of this episode. Uh, The feather collar actually really worked for me this time. And the fabric was beautiful. That red was, oh, lovely. No, no, no. The fabric is beautiful. I think you know what? I think you're right. I think the problem is the sleeves. Because with the sleeves and the collar and the bodice, like all the upper body area, like I was just like, just take one element away and it'll be perfect. And I think like the jeweled already ruffled sleeves. How to change the sleeves. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Because I was like, am I mad about these feathers? And I'm like, no, I'm not. But there is something off with this. I don't really have any arguments against Regina's red and black dress. I didn't actually, I don't know. I liked it. I didn't think it needed anything taken off. I was good. I thought it was delightful. I don't care. I'd wear it. The second time we see Evil Queen all decked out, she looks like a Star Trek villain with a high ponytail and stunning makeup. Like that nude lip is everything. Like Lana looks so glamorous in a nude lip. The dress I know is very divisive. It is actually one of Lana's top five favorite outfits. In an interview, she said that she felt like she was wrapped up in a very fashionable garbage bag, but she loves it. Like she just hated the fact that like they filmed in July. So she was like really sweating while filming. That's just mean. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame her, but I, I would wear this dress in a fucking heartbeat. The mesh over the titties. Oh my God. Like it's so sexy and so avant-garde, but it does remind me more of like Star Trek. So it reminds me a little bit more of like a sci-fi queen like space queen than it does fantasy it's a little out of place in that sense but for what it is i just think it's fucking stunning i always prefer when they go more regal with her unless she's the focus of a white snake video i know she says she likes it but she's right it's a garbage bag i mean my first thought was that it was made out of prop rubber halloween rats but (laughs) trash bag works too Oh, and her other favorite outfit, Lynn, you would be yeah. uh, surprised to know, is that blue velvet dress. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it is not velour. Oh, it is no, velvet. It is it's Lana very. Pariah not have good taste? I don't know. How is a girl that pretty not have good taste? I think maybe she likes really form fitting things. I mean, that's like the unifying thing. I I actually, but come on. No, no, no. I think the other favorite was the one from True North. Um, I think actually the, this red one here too might've been was the other one. So, cause I think she had two in the same episode and I think it was both of these dresses she loved a lot. I mean, if Um, the True North one is one of her favorites, then I have no argument with that because that's definitely a why do good costumes happen to bad episodes. Yeah, exactly. 
remember when I saw the Cinderella dress? Yeah. And and in person. And the thing is, is that I, I think that blue velvet dress is probably so much more beautiful in person than we see it is on the TV. I would believe that. I mean, that's possible, but I it feels out of place. Sure. It doesn't seem like something that like an evil queen in a high fantasy setting should be wearing. No, like again, it's like this dress, like it's it's a bit out of place. It also kind of freaks me out whenever they change her makeup schematic because I fear change. <laughs> <laughs> so it did me a frighten. <laughs> All of Snow's outfits are chef kiss in this episode, though. Like her second outfit of the episode is actually one of the two Snow White outfits I've done from this show. It's like the gray jodhpurs. Yeah, with the like kind of tan leather. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's kind of it's very it's somewhat similar to the white outfit. Yeah, it's but. such a good snow outfit. Also, it's a simple look, but I love Pan's main outfit, which he dons for the first time in this episode. The greens are so nice. Yeah, I I really like his outfit. I don't think it's too, like, childish. Mm -hmm. He still feels very threatening in it. It, yeah, it's that. You don't see the blood stains. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it has, it has, you know, it has those Pan elements, those, like, classic Pan elements, but it's, it's a Pan that will straight up stab you. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as look at you. So it's time to play Who's That Guest Star? In season three, episode two, we have Robbie Kay as Peter Pan. Woo. Tragically, Robbie Kay does not have a lot of choice credits to his name. Today, his most well-known role and longest role is actually Peter Pan. He's also known for his roles in Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, Sleepy Hollow, the TV show, and Heroes Reborn. He is active on Instagram, though, and he leads a pretty nice life between the UK, LA, and Texas. He's close with his family and still friends with some of his Once Upon a Time castmates, even characters he doesn't appear in scenes with, which I think is super cute. Someone cast this actor in something awesome, because I want to see more of him. He's unbelievably good. He's so good. He is. All right, so it's time for Once Upon a Timeline. Yay. 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 So the flashbacks in this episode begin with the coffin scene from both season one, episode one pilot and season one, episode 22, a land without magic. We then also witness the snowing proposal from season one, episode 22, a land without magic from Regina's and the magic mirror's perspective. The bulk of these flashbacks here take place in the days after the proposal and Snow and Charming making the promise to take back their kingdoms together. And then the flashbacks that most closely follow the one seen in this episode would probably be season two, episode three, Lady of the Lake, as we are in the midst of Snow White's and Charming's fight against Regina and King George's forces in that episode. But sneaking one more episode in between those two, According to the Once Upon a Time wiki timeline for the Enchanted Forest, the flashbacks in season one, episode 17, Hat Trick, actually take place between this episode and Lady of the Lake. So we can count Regina rescuing her father, abandoning Jefferson, and stealing his hat as part of her war preparations as she goes to battle with Snow White. So it's now time for Rancor Raves, our segment where each narrator shares something they're loving this week or something that's kind of getting under their skin. We had a game night together. We hung out. It was amazing. And of course, with our friend Ariana, who is listening to this. Hi, Ariana. Hi, Ariana. (laughs) Hi, Ariana. We had good food and good drinks and fun games. 
I had an excellent time and you guys got to see my home for the first time. Yay. And your baboos. And the baboos you did. You did get to meet the the cats for the first time. I loved them. I met them when they're babies. Yes, that's right. You did meet them when they were Mm -hmm. baby. Oh my God. They were little kittens. They were little. I think you were over like literally right. Like after I got them. Yeah, they were, they were kittens. Kitten kittens. Yeah. And of course, not maybe 30 minutes after you all left, that was when they were like, oh, good. We can stop being good now. Let's scream. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> they were on very good behavior the they whole were, time. They were very, they so really I, I didn't were. hear almost a peep out of either of them. Mm-mm. I'm glad that Ariana is a witness to their fuckery so that she <laughs> could be like, no, Cello's not making that up. Like, they, they, are, were, they are absolutely they were perfect awful. angels for me. Yes, they were. <laughs> I do want to say that I'm really sad because one of my favorite podcasts decided to call it quits. Their lives just got insanely busy. Wow. And so I just want to give a big special shout out to the Resolved Mysteries podcast because I really fell in love with it these last few months and I've been binging it. So I joined their Patreon just because there's all this Patreon content that I can now like sift through. Because they're not going to close down the Patreon. They're just going to be like, all right, well, you know, like anyone dig through our content and your patronage, you know, whenever you want. And once everyone's gone, then we'll, you know, close it down. They were really upset to have to shelve it after only season four of Unsolved Mysteries. But yeah, their lives were just getting a little too busy and two of them have kids and they were like recording nine hour days. Holy God. Yeah, like every, like twice a month, they would get together and they would record several episodes. And each episode is like anywhere from an hour to three hours and they have to like break it up. So, I mean, it's a lot of research that they do because they're, you know, Unsolved Mysteries. (laughs) So I still recommend the podcast and I still definitely recommend people listening to it. And I hope that maybe one day they can go back to it or that they will um, help other people maybe pick up the gauntlet. But farewell, farewell, Resolve Mysteries. Um, Game night was so much fun. It was great. It was wonderful. Yay. Yay. Also, Lynn and me watched all of Our Flag Means Death. Yes. Uh, just the, the, the final two episodes were this Friday, and it was so good. So, so good. good. I feel like we kind of have a lot of overlap this week since all three of us are like, yeah, game night. And I know all three of us are super about our flag means death right now, which if you haven't watched, you should. It's pirates and it's superb queer representation. I don't have a whole lot else to contribute for recommendations slash things I'm loving because even though this is airing while we'll already be on our honeymoon, right now we're eyes deep in wedding stuff. But We have also been watching an absolutely wonderful streamer who goes by Granny. She has a whole video where she plays Resident Evil 2 modded to hell and back. (laughs) And watching Leon Kennedy run away from Thomas the Tank Engine while using a banana for a weapon is joy I wasn't aware I needed in my life. It has the music too. It's so good. Yeah, oh my it's God. just an ominous Thomas the Tank oh, Engine so theme good. song whenever he's going to be approaching because he's the replacement for Mr. X. So he chases him through the whole game. My favorite video, like one of my top 10 favorite videos on the internet is the Skyrim Oh, the Thomas video the in Skyrim. Where it was yeah. like, oh, yeah, yes. yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. It's so the good. dragon, mm-hmm. and you're just like, do do, and you're yeah, like, just like, like, what the fuck is that? Rain whistles, and you hear do oh, do, so and you're like, what the fuck? Like, I remember watching this, and I'd never seen Skyrim. I've never, I didn't know really what it was, and I was just like, what the fuck am I watching? And then all of a sudden, 
dude. <laughs> and boom, here comes this Thomas the Tank Engine. And then it starts breathing fire and just taking out everyone. <laughs> Honestly, uh, anytime someone mods a video game to make Thomas the Tank Engine the antagonist, it's a good time. Yeah. Like Ada Wong is Peppa Pig. The liquors are cat dog. It's delightful. I stand by my, it is, it is a joy I did not know I needed in my life, but definitely did. <laughs> Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch, in their continuing quest to find Peter Pan's hideout and save Henry, Hook suggests tracking down Tinkerbell in the hope that she will lead them straight to Pan's camp. Meanwhile, Pan reveals to Henry why he has brought him to Neverland. And in the Enchanted Forest, Neil has a plan that could transport him to Emma but it would involve using one of Robin Hood's most precious possessions. Meanwhile, in the fairy tale land that was, Tinkerbell offers to help Regina improve her life. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this episode is all Chambliss needed was a babysitter. Berg Bliss is dead. Long live Blisskez. Talk fairy tales with us on anchor.fm slash once upon a rewatch. Tweet us at once upon rewatch. Participate in episodic polls on Instagram at once upon rewatch. Follow us at once upon a rewatch.tumblr.com. If you enjoy once upon a rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple podcasts or on your platform of choice. The artwork for a podcast was by Lychee Ruru. We want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro music is Fairy Tale Waltz. This podcast uses material from episode-specific pages on the Once Upon a Time wiki at Fandom and is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license. And remember, all plot devices come with a price. Only in Kenya. Meanwhile, <laughs> run girls, keep it together. We're almost done. <laughs>